0: Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis here on a beautiful Friday morning in the studio right here at Crossway Church. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson and we are in 1 Timothy chapter 6 this morning. We'll be beginning in verse 6 when we get there. First, I'd just like to uh, let you know that we have a few of these left. It's our little 62-page booklet, All God's Works Are Done in Truth. That is derived from Psalms 33 and 4. It's not debatable. It's not questionable. We don't question God's Word. He says that the Word of the Lord is right and all His works are done in truth. Therefore, we just believe God. And so this little 62-page booklet will help you stay the narrow path Uh, illuminate God's Word, and bring you hopefully to the place where the Apostle Paul and many more are coming today of determination to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified from Genesis through all the way to Revelation. And uh, we're just excited about that. You can get your copy, $15, while there's some left, and you can send your donation to thecrosswaychurch.com. And uh, we'll just be glad make sure you let us know you want the book and make sure your address is in there so we can get the book to you. Everything we do here at Crossway Church is uploaded to the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, the website, again, thecrosswaychurch.com. And you can also hear the audio sessions of everything I teach and preach on an app called Spreaker. Not speaker, but spreaker. Just look for my name or my channel which is titled For Those Who Have Ears to Hear and there's probably over 300 uh, teachings on there of the Word of God in the context of the cross of Christ and you will be blessed because that is the context of the written Word is the one who is the living Word and what He did at Calvary so that the written Word and the person of Christ could be applied to our hearts. Hallelujah. So, again, we're just looking forward to this morning's Bible study and we believe God's going to impart to us that which we need on this day, the daily bread we need on this day and I've asked him to do that and I know that you have as well. That's why we have folks in the studio this morning and if you if you live anywhere in this region of Queen City, Atlanta, Texarkana, Bivens, Linden, I encourage you to come and be a part of these Friday morning Bible studies. You, listen, we're not trying to get you in Crossway Church. We're trying to get you in the Word so that you can begin to learn the truth of God's Word and, and not just what God's Word says but what God's Word says word means because there is a context in which all the Bible is written and that context is righteousness. Proverbs 8 verse 8 tells us that all the words of my mouth are in righteousness and we know the Bible also tells us that righteousness, the righteousness of God is only revealed in in the gospel. Hallelujah. So all the Bible must be taught, must be heard, received, and will only be imparted by the Holy Spirit through faith in the cross because it is the only avenue, Galatians 2 and 21 through which any righteousness comes. The gospel, the cross, hallelujah. I'm glad to know that this morning. I'm glad to keep saying it. I'm glad to keep hearing it because this is the place where we're in agreement with God. We walk with God. We receive the grace of God and all the other aspects of uh, the blessings He has for us that all come through grace that only comes through the righteousness of God. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 1 that this faith we've received that we've obtained this like precious faith we received it through the righteousness of God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. When you begin to get a hold of these things, then the Holy Spirit's going to begin to illuminate the Word of God into your heart like never, ever before. And all you have to do is to keep your faith in the cross of Christ, that humble, broken heart, that trusting in in Jesus and what He did at Calvary, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on in the world, that it doesn't distract you and pull you into it. You just stay focused with your faith on Christ and what He did for you at Calvary and then the Holy Spirit will be able to do very, very much in your life and I'm thankful to know that today. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, the Bible says, "...but godliness with contentment is great gain." This is a place we all need to be walking as God's children. We need to be content with our godliness. I see so many Christians uh, in an uproar and, and, and really and truly they're oppressed today because of all that's going on in the world. They're, they're pulled into it. They're distracted by it. They, they're angry. They they Instead of praying for what's going on, they, they find themselves all wrapped up in it. And I know they probably do pray concerning those things, but but they don't understand prayer because if they were praying properly, they, weren't be, they wouldn't be being pulled into it and becoming oppressed because of all that's going on. So if we're really praying correctly, God's dealing with us first. Come on now, somebody. Hallelujah. We may be praying for others, but we better be praying for ourselves because, listen, we, if you're praying for somebody else and all the horrible things that's going on in the world and even in the church and you're not careful, you'll be pulled into it in spite of you praying. Come on now, how many many of you prayed for things before and found yourself right in the middle of it and and oppressed by it? But if we will will stay content, and that word means satisfied with godliness. That's what we're called to, really and truly. Uh, I'll make this statement, I think I made it last Friday morning, that... The, the, the letters given to Timothy in the church at Ephesus by the apostle Paul, ultimately from the Lord himself through Paul, uh, even to us today, really the main topic and theme of the two letters uh, to Timothy and the church there in Ephesus is godliness how to behave in the house of God as the the people of God, as ministers, as widows, as the church dealing with widows. as as, So many things mentioned in these two letters, but you, you might as well say the overall theme is to get the church in a place where they're not only told what godliness is and, and how to live, how it's uh, uh, bear out as a manifestation, but that we should be content with it and satisfied with it because the great gain is in being content with godliness, satisfied with it. And, and and today, especially in America, we Americans, we're just not satisfied with anything. We Many people who've come on board over the last 22, 23 years of hearing the message of the cross and how it relates to our daily living, they come on board, got a blaze, and where are they now? Who knows where they're, they're back in their old church. They went back to their old churches. It's not preaching. They're, they're back, they fall and pray to all these other churches topics of oh we just got to love everybody and and, and, and we do in all these factual statements and, and some of them caught on fire with this message just long enough to bash a few people because it's obviously uh, that message which reveals everything that's also wrong because everything that's not faith in the cross is wrong and not accepted by God, but then where are they? They're gone. They're, they're, they're just, where are they? The, uh, uh, I mean, the meetings we had for the first few years with ministers that would come in and, and, and got, that God used to usher this message into the church again. Beginning back in the late 90s, the church was packed out. Now you barely get folks to come. They've lost their excitement and joy for this message and I don't know what the attitude is mainly. I I mean, I really don't. I mean, I guess they say, well, I've got it and now I can move on. No, if you get it and you keep it, you're going to move on with the same zeal and excitement you had when you came on board with it. And so, I mean, if you've lost that, listen, my friend, it's because you're not trusting in that anymore even though you know the right words to say now and that's the, that is typically uh, the, the, the American church we learn what to say and then we move on and, and whether the zeal and the fire of God is there or not anymore we still know what to say listen It ain't about what you say my friend It's about what you believe in your heart And if you're believing in your heart This message that you caught on fire A few years ago about That same fire is going to continue to consume you Hallelujah Because our God is a consuming fire And if He is allowed to lead you And guide you And teach you Into all truth Then your heart's going to be ablaze The joy, the, the novelty of the gospel As one of my dear brothers used that phrase Is not going to disappear you you might wake up and feel one day like, man, things just ain't working out. I feel like I'm... But all you've got to do is look back to Calvary if you'll look back properly. And I'm not talking about saying the words. I'm talking about with your heart looking back. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God that I'm saved by the blood. Not only am I saved, but now I can learn to live saved. Hallelujah. I can learn to express Christ, to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I can learn these things. Are you still excited today? I hope you are because most who heard it and got excited, had great joy it didn't really take root in them. If it did, they'd still be moving on in this great truth, this great light of the cross of Calvary. Hallelujah. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And why he says in verse 6, but Godliness with contentment is great gain is because if you remember last week, uh, the Apostle Paul in this letter uh, writes about those who uh, teach... Other things than what Paul is teaching here, contrary to these wholesome words in verse 3 that he calls the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrine which is according to godliness. So he's talking about godliness and he says these folks are proud. Verse 4, remember last week? These folks are proud. What does that mean? That means they're not trusting in Calvary because pride And when you're trusting in the cross, that means you have that spirit of humility upon you. You have to, listen, it takes humility to trust in the cross and not yourself. To trust in the word of God and not the word of somebody else or your feelings or your emotions. It takes humility to get grace. And God resists the proud, but He gives More grace to the humble. That's what the Bible says. So here in verse 4, he says, He is proud, these people who teach the opposite of what Paul teaches. We need to desperately remember that. And men by the drove today are teaching things opposite from what Paul taught. And here the Bible says they're proud. They know nothing. But they're doting about questions. That means, and we studied it last week, they're just being controversial about everything. Questions and strifes of words where... Of comes envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men. Perverse simply means taking the Word of God and perverting it. Disputing over the Word. Most Christians today are are disputing over the Word and both sides are perverted. Unless the focus of the Word is Jesus and His work at Calvary, it is a perverted illumination. Satan transforms himself as an angel of light and uses God's Word in a perverted state to try to get us to see some darkness as light. Hallelujah. Amen. We, listen, the church has been deceived for too long and most disputings in the church are perverted. Both sides are perverted. But when we are looking at God's Word and seeing Jesus because our faith is in what Jesus did at Calvary, because that's the only work of righteousness God honors. Isaiah 32, 17. And when our faith is there, that grace, the measure of that faith, and the fruit of that righteousness flows in and through us. Not because we believed it ten days ago, ten years ago, but because today that is what we're trusting in. My only defense is Christ righteousness. My only defense, my only way with God is the righteousness of Christ, the faith of the Son of God, the grace and the knowledge that belongs to Jesus. Well, I'm teaching better than your amen and hallelujah. <laughs> So then he gets down here. At the end of verse 5, let me read verse 5 again because we have to back up and scratch our feet before we dig in this morning. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Without it. Destitute. Without it. And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're walking in the truth of God's Word. The truth of God's Word is Jesus and what He did at Calvary perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness or that godliness is is a means of gain. But gain... Financially, and that's what he's talking about here, is not godliness. They're only supposing that gain is godliness. And he says something very important to us. From such, withdraw thyself. Withdraw thyself. And last week I brought it out. The Bible says withdraw yourself, turn away from, come out from among them. That's to the church. The church thinks that's talking about come out from the bars, come out from the whiskey drinking, come out from the harlots, come out from all... Listen, okay, you get saved, you come out of all that. But but the church is told the same thing because if we're not careful... We'll, be, we'll wake up one day and we'll be surrounded by people and boy, it's so, it's so uh, popular today to be in these churches. I, I, I speak from experience to think that gain is godliness. You meet these people in these churches and oh, they just go, oh, they just talk about all this stuff. God's blessing and blah, blah, blah God's blessing. God just opened the door to me to make more money. It's all about money to them. It's all about money and they're just so deceived preachers will get up and say to them that there's more talk about money in the Bible than anything else. Not, well, that's people who's perverted God's Word. How come I don't see that? And I've been studying the Word since 1994 almost on a daily basis. I don't see that everything in the Bible's about money. I see, I see that Jesus said the Scriptures were about Him. Hey! Not about money! Jesus is my riches. Bible's not about money. You say, well, the Bible's about money, marriage. A, it, 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 has a, uh, it mentions all those topics. How to treat your wife, your husband, raise your kids, how to give, how to be faithful. The answer for everything's in the Word. But Jesus said, for us who are true Christians in these last days, Jesus said the Scriptures are about Him. John 5, 39. Luke 24, 44 through 46. Psalms 40, verse 7. Hebrews 10, verse 7. The volume of the Word, Jesus said, is written of me. Hallelujah. I'm just going to have to come back to being a Bible believer and open the Bible. I don't want to see money. I want to see Jesus. Hallelujah. If we look if we keep opening the Bible and seeing money, hey we sitting under folks who destitute destitute of the truth they pervert in God's word withdraw yourself oh I know it's hard because Grandma and Grandpa goes that church oh that's been the church in our family for 75 years. you got to still withdraw yourself or submit to men or submit to God you listen you, listen you got to, you, right now you got to make a choice am I going to please God? The only way you can do it is by faith in what His Word says. And if you're in one of those ministries, you've got to get up and get out. Yeah. And if you don't, you're serving men and not God. Come on, somebody. Yeah. So he says that, and that's what brings us to our text today. But godliness yeah. with contentment is great gain. Yeah. Not gain being godliness... But godliness with contentment is great gain. And being satisfied with godliness above all things is the only place spiritually man can find contentment. Being satisfied with godliness. That means, and every Christian will admit it, when God is able to move them. And we, we, we speak from experience. We've been wayward. We've gone wayward as Christians and we've acted foolish and we've believed wrong things. But every single time, God was able to stir our hearts, get us back in the Word, get us back in a, a, a local church. We felt good. We we felt energized. We, we felt God was doing something. Amen. Because we were walking in that place where God was allowed to stir our hearts to do those things which the Bible calls us to be a part of and we begin to feel satisfied. Satisfied. Nobody in the world that's lost is spiritually satisfied. They may be worldly satisfied. Their flesh may be satisfied but still they're at enmity with God. And let me say something, folks. Where there's enmity with God, there can be no satisfaction. Not inwardly. There is no inward peace if I'm at enmity with God. And those even who are the church blood-bought if they don't know the message of the cross as it pertains to daily living are walking in the flesh. And those that are walking and so into the flesh, the Bible says, are at enmity against God. The church is at enmity against God. Amen. Because the flesh, Paul said nothing in my flesh, I can't trust, I place no confidence in my flesh at all because the flesh cannot please God. My gifts, even though I have them from God, they're not going to please God unless they're being carried out through faith in the work of Christ at Calvary. Then the Holy Spirit can use me, lead me, use my talents to glorify God and to be an edification to the church. Amen. So, watch this. Now, Proverbs 19:23 says, and we're talking about abiding satisfied. We're talking about having this godliness with contentment walking in the great gain God has for His church which is only found in godliness. Godliness, let's just say it, another word for it when you look it up you'll always find the word holiness when you look up the word godliness. It's there. It's right. It means the same thing. As a matter of fact I'll read a scripture to you where this same word for godliness is used in another verse for holiness in just a moment, but I want to read Proverbs 19, 23 right now. The fear of the Lord, very important topic. The fear of the Lord tends to life. So you better learn what the fear of the Lord is. And he that has it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Now that doesn't mean evil is not going to attack. Evil is not going to, uh, 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 you know, come against us because it's going to come against everybody who's trusting in Christ and what He did at Calvary. And and evil, the world's just full of evil, but He says. He shall not be visited with evil. That means the door ain't going to come open for evil in your house if you're abiding satisfied. And the only folk in the church who are abiding satisfied are those who have the fear of the Lord. Let me read it again. The fear of the Lord tends to life. Tends to it. The fear of the Lord is that which is tending to life. The experience of life. And he that has it has the fear of the Lord shall abide satisfied. We're talking about godliness with contentment is great gain. Holiness with contentment is great gain. We look at your neighbors over there and they're just living in sin. They've got the riches of the world and, and you don't know how your light bill's gonna get paid next month. And and it's very easy to look at them and, and start having wrong mindsets. But just remember, you're in Christ, you're on your way to heaven. He found you lost and messed up, and he saved your soul. He loves you, he's dwelling in you. You're in the palm of his hand, and we could go on right here with this subject till the Lord comes himself. But so take Take your eyes off your neighbors and what all they got. And get happy about who you are in Him. Godly in Christ Jesus. Holy in Him. Trusting in that work at Calvary alone allows the Holy Spirit to tend to life. And you always have to equate the fear of the Lord... You always have to equate the fear of the Lord with the work of Christ at Calvary because Proverbs 14, 26, and 27. Let's just go there. Y'all don't mind if we do, do you? Proverbs 14, 26, and 27 tells us look, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. In it, the fear of the Lord is a place. It's faith in the cross. It's trust in what God has provided in Christ at Calvary. We'll prove it right here in the Word. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. You don't have that unless your faith is in Calvary because only when your faith is there does the Holy Spirit give you that strong confidence. You need this strong confidence. Remember, if you have the fear of the Lord, you're going to abide satisfied. And evil ain't going to visit you. Not going to pull you into it. Watch this now. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and His children, the Lord's children, shall have a place of refuge. Christ and what He did at Calvary is our place of refuge. The Bible says, lest you grow weary and faint in your minds, consider the one that endured such contradiction to sinners. The cross is your answer. The cross, your faith in the cross... Not your words saying your faith is in the cross, but from your heart that is literally what you're trusting in today. Jesus paid the price for your sins. Not just that, but because of what He did at Calvary and your faith in that, you now today get the grace of God becoming sufficient for you so the Holy Spirit can give you this satisfaction of your godliness and holiness in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. Watch this now. Verse 27 of Proverbs 14. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Well, who's the one that claimed to be our life? Who? And He he became our fountain of life when He shed that fountain of blood. Watch this now. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death the trap of death, not only the death that we were born into as lost people. When we got here, we were lost in our sins, separated from God, dead in our trespasses. But once we're born again, if we're not careful, we can walk in a place where we're living as though we're dead and separated from God again. When we move our faith from anything other than Calvary, we're walking in a place that's without Him. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6, chapter uh, uh, 5 verses 1 through 4. We remove ourselves from Him. We we don't lose our salvation at that point, but we remove ourselves from Him. We're no longer walking in this place called the fear of the Lord. We're Apparently, we're, we're fear something other because to fear the Lord is to keep our faith in what He did. The fear of the Lord, the Lord gave me this definition some years ago. The fear of the Lord, if I can remember it, what He gave me was this. I believe I'll try to get it close. The fear of the Lord is the proper estimated biblical value of God's worth. Think about that. The fear of the Lord is the proper estimated biblical value of God's worth which really can only be seen as you look to the cross and see who He is and what He did in His Son Jesus at the cross. That's where you see how loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, far-reaching, anything you want to talk about God was manifest at Calvary. Absolutely everything, because the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, that the love of God was manifest at Calvary. God is love. God was manifesting himself at the cross. That's why that's all we need to do is trust in the cross and we have everything we need and we can become satisfied. We can abide satisfied. Hallelujah. We can once again have this uh, this uh, contentment of great gain. Don't you think when Stephen was being stoned he was thinking about who he had who he was and what all he had in Christ even though while he was being stoned he could say Father forgive them for what they're doing and he could see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Let me tell you something he was abiding satisfied even though he was experiencing stones cast at him and they stoned him to death but listen he left out of here abiding satisfied praying for those that were abusing him my Lord you got to church today out on the streets with abortion signs abortion is murder but they're hating their brother well they're all guilty the ones carrying this abortion is murder well you're hating your brother you're hating your whoever well Jesus said if you hate somebody you're a murderer see how messed up we are we need to look back to the cross and stay there. That's what the Bible means when it says he whose mind is stayed on the Lord shall have perfect peace. Well, that peace is only the result of the work of righteousness at Calvary. Isaiah 32, 17 and Colossians 1.20 says he made that peace through that work of righteousness by the bloody shadow of Calvary. Just keep looking unto Christ and His work at Calvary. That's biblically keeping your mind stayed on Him. Hallelujah. Y'all about to get me fired up in here this morning. Going to preach myself happy, the preacher's wife said this moment. (laughs) Yeah, he that has it, has the fear of the Lord, going to abide satisfied. They're the ones that's going to find godliness is great, great godliness with contentment. Man, I'm satisfied with who I am in Christ. Jobs are going to be taken. Family is going to be taken. Mine, I might lose, I might lose all kinds of things, but I can't lose what brings me contentment spiritually, and that is Jesus and what he did at Calvary, because only in him can I find godliness, which is holiness. Hallelujah. So here also, let's get back to our, our text, 1 Timothy chapter 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Not just that I know I'm godly. Come on now, watch this now. Not just that I tell folks I'm godly, that I know it in my head I'm godly, but when I find that inner contentment that I'm godly in Christ because of what he's done not what i do but because what he's done for me and what he's doing today keeping me content because i can't be content without the work of the holy spirit he's doing it all hallelujah he did it at the at the cross and he continues to let that grace flow through the knowledge of him into my life if that's what my faith is in so watch this acts chapter 3 verse 12 the same word for godliness Is here used as holiness, the exact same word. And it says this, Acts chapter 3, verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, and he's talking about when him and John, God, the Lord, used them to heal this lame man. We all know the story. You men of Israel, why marvel? You at this. Or why are you looking so earnestly on us as though by our own power... Boy, the word of faith folk need to get a hold of this. As though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk. Same word there for holiness that's used for godliness in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we know... I said... We know because the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6 that the the manifestation, the only avenue for the manifestation of holiness which is godliness, manifest holiness. It's not how I wear my hair. It's not the clothes I wear. It's not what I do on a certain day. The only avenue of godliness which is holiness is righteousness. Romans chapter 6 tells us that. We not only were declared by God to be righteous when we placed faith in the righteous work of Christ at Calvary, But we were made, according to Romans chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, we were made servants of that righteousness, not our own. And that the result, the fruit of serving that righteousness that only takes place when our faith is in the sacrifice of Christ, that's the only avenue that produces holiness. Holiness is the fruit of righteousness and all righteousness is the fruit of faith in the cross or it's not righteousness in God's eyes. Now knowing that, we have to go to Hebrews chapter 12 and hear the Lord telling us, I said hear the Lord telling us that if we're not following after peace and holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Now that, that opens up a can of worms in the church today, and it, but it also to us who have eyes to see those that are not walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, as Paul told uh, the church in Galatia in chapter 2, verse 11 in, in the book of Galatians, uh, that there's, where there's not faith in the cross, there's not the experience and fruit of righteousness, ever. And where there's not the fruit of righteousness, holiness is not being experienced. Even though we're holy, these things don't just happen. Our salvation didn't just happen. We trusted in the work of Christ at Calvary. We were declared righteous because of His righteous work. Again, Isaiah 32, 17. We were made servants of righteousness, not when we went out and started working, but faith in the cross of Christ made us righteous, made us servants of righteousness. And if we continue to serve that righteousness... The fruit is holiness. The experience, the manifestation is holiness meaning the character of Christ, the fruit of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruits of our righteousness in Him. So where there's not faith in the cross there is no righteousness thus there is no holiness in experience. Therefore what's left only form. Withdraw yourself, turn yourself away from those who have a form of godliness but deny the power. From such, turn away. 9.9 preachers out of every 10 are not preaching. They're using the Word but they're not preaching the power of God. They're not opening the words of, of the Lord and pointing people to Calvary unless they're lost. Never been saved, and they're sharing, hopefully they're still doing that. But once they're saved, they're, they're not using God's word to point to Calvary. And if that's not where our faith remains, if that's not uh, what we're seeing when we open the Bible, then there's no light shining from the Word, because Jesus as the Lamb is what brings the light of God's word into our heart. The Bible says in John 8.12, Jesus said, I'm the light. In Psalms 119, 105, the Bible says that Thy word, O Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Amen. But in in Revelation 21 and 23, the Bible says the Lamb is the light. So which one is it? Is it the written word of God? Is it Jesus Himself? Or is it (coughs) what Jesus did is the Lamb? It's all three. You can't separate them. Thus, Proverbs 8 and 8. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. Jesus is the righteous one who did the righteous work at Calvary, who bears forth and brings through our faith and that alone the Holy Spirit shines the light of God's Word into our hearts and we continue to believe with the heart under righteousness every day as we're taught by the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. Somebody said amen. Amen. So, and, he, and he's talking about here in 1 Timothy chapter 6 but godliness with contentment is great gain and he's talking about money, serving mammon, serving men or serving God through faith in Christ. And we know that because verse 7 says because we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain, everybody say certain. It's a guaranteed truth, God said it, that you ain't taking nothing with you when you leave. Yeah, I don't care. Robin and I have been watching a little uh, history series on the the men that made America. And my goodness, at the evil and the the schemes that went on and back in that day in the 1800s when the rails began to be built across this great nation and steel began to be made and oil began to be found and and, and sold and kerosene made and all that stuff's very interesting. But man, the love of money, woo. And I, but I, my point is, I don't care how great you are. I don't care what you've done. You ain't, that's the way we talk in Texas, like it or turn me off. We ain't taking nothing with us when we leave. Everything you've piled up all these years, just going to be somebody else's garage sale when you leave. Hallelujah! You better hear me. All these great treasures that you have in the earth today, you better get some wisdom and start discerning according to the Word of God what you need to be doing. Because let me tell you something, that stuff's only valuable to you. And when you're gone, boy, big garage sales take place. And then the next generation comes along and that stuff that was such fancy to you, oh, that my Microwave you brought in ain't nobody else got one I'm the first one to get it twenty years later that old thing ain't nothing but a heap of metal apology you ain't taking nothing with you when you leave and he goes on to say in verse 8 having food and raiment and that means clothing let us be there with content content Now this doesn't mean that you don't enjoy all the blessings that the Lord has poured into your life. But it does mean those things are not what's giving you godliness and those things are not where we find our contentment. You know, you hear stories back in the Great Depression when men lost all their money, they went and jumped out of big skyscrapers. Why? Because they were content in their money. When they lost their money, listen, they killed themselves. They didn't know the Lord and and, and folk need to hear me today. I've said this every once in a while through the years. The church don't like to hear it Uh, and the church today don't like to hear a lot of things. But the Lord is going to strip this nation. Yes, we're praying against all the evil that's going on right now. We're praying, God, intervene. God, I know your mercy is greater than what's going on. Your love is greater. Your grace is greater. But the Lord eventually at some point is going to strip this nation of all the things that it's worshipped and trusted in, all you got to do is go back and read it in the Bible. The Lord judged His nation, His people of Israel, by letting other nations come in and do things to them. And when they would repent and get right, then God would go do things to that nation for what they did to His people. God still operates the same way today. You need to know it. This nation eventually is going to be stripped of everything that we've found so dear and that has made us so content. Thank God for the blessings. And I am a patriot. I love this country. Would never say anything about this country. I thank God every day for this nation and I, I don't think there's a day that goes by that I don't sit out on my back porch or at least I'm out there and I just stop for a moment and thank God for the peace that we have. I'm talking about in the natural, that, that there ain't nobody driving by throwing beer bottles in my yard. There's nobody shooting at my house. And they, I mean, I, I just step out there and I can hear the birds chirping and I, it's so peaceful. I thank God for that. Hallelujah. And I'm thankful for that. But I know that Sin brings about judgment. And this nation is very sinful. All you have to do is turn the TV on to see it. And most of those who are are looking at what's going on today and calling it so sinful ain't living in much righteousness themselves. Come on now. See, we don't like to be talked to like that. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. And again, that doesn't mean that we can't enjoy the things God has given us and glorify Him and being thankful and praising Him, but it means we're not going to be finding our place of contentment in all the goods we have, the house we live in, the, the car we drive. Some people, the, who they are is the house they live in and the shoes they wear yeah. yes. and the clothes they wear. That's who they are. That's kind of like women in the New Testament. They told they told not to adorn themselves in certain ways because that that ain't. If it's the purpose of that's what they want to be known for. Well, that's wrong. I'm content in the way I look, and if I can't look this certain way, I'm just no longer content. You you've missed the boat, honey. You're sinking. You need to get back to Calvary. I understand looking good. An old mean uh, man in some old religious mess one day asked me, "Son, do you believe women ought to wear makeup?" Because he didn't, I said, "Well, if they need it, yeah. That's right. <laughs> who really needs it?" Just, just on that topic, can you imagine, if if makeup never was heard of, if it would have never came about? There, 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 there wouldn't be talk of all this stuff. Makeup, I'm not getting into that. Because we, if we're not careful, we'll become content. Well, I can't be content unless I look a certain way. I'm not going to church today because my hair in that weather out there will fall flat on my head and they ain't looking at me like that. Uh-huh. Boy, that's kind of convicting, isn't it? <laughs> and having food and raiment, clothing, let us be therewith content. He goes on to say in verse 9, but they that will be rich, those that go after riches, desire to be rich. That's where their heart is. They fall into temptation. Listen, temptation is not sin till you fall in it. Yeah. Right. Temptation, not sin. You didn't ask for those thoughts you have that come in your head sometimes. You didn't ask for that. God, where'd that come from? Lord, thank you that that got to go. I can take that to the cross. Hallelujah. I can can take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, the Bible says. but, But I didn't bring them in. Temptation's not sin, but falling into the temptation, that's sin. Watch this now. But they that will be rich, those, that's what their goal is, fall into temptation and a trap. Once they fall into it, they're not only in it, there's a lock on the door. They can't get out. It's a trap. That's what snare means, a trap. You're trapped. You fell into the sin, and that's what it is, because it's a sin for your goal and desire to be rich. Christian's goal and desire is not to be rich. It's to express Christ and to to have to be content with godliness which is means which really means that we're thankful for the riches of God's grace and mercy we've been given above that of money. Amen. I read recently that uh, something about it's uh, you know, it don't matter if you got a Cadillac or a bicycle, but it sure feels a lot better to cry in a Cadillac than out there on a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> and I've heard preachers say that, you know, I've been rich and I've been poor. I like it better when, I, when I'm rich. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just natural. You, if you don't have any money and you only eat every other day, you sure better be content with your godliness. Yeah. If you're eating every day, well, I believe you might be a little bit happier in the natural. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. But the Bible here says they that go after riches, those that just desire to be rich, that's their goal. They, f- they not only fall into the temptation, because it is a temptation for everybody to go after riches, but they that fall into this temptation, they're snared now. That means they're tra- a trap is something you can't get out of on your own. That's why it's very, very important to pay attention when temptation is there because in it in and of itself is not a sin but when you give yourself to it and it can't just come in and wrap a rope around your neck and drag you away. James wrote that we're all carried off into it by the lust of our own flesh. I can't blame nobody else even though what they were doing was enticing me and and, and there was a purpose in that but they didn't drag me into it. I gave way to it. I, I went after the riches of money. A lot of preachers fell into that trap years ago and that's what it is, a trap. They can't get out of it until they repent and come back to the very true riches of God which is His grace and mercy through the faith and the cross of Christ. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And then in that trap, you see what happens, many many foolish and hurtful lusts take place, which drown these drown them in destruction and perdition. And the word perdition speaks of that which is utter destruction. Perdition is the word used in the Bible prophesied in the book of Psalms and spoken of again in the New Testament as Judas Iscariot being that prophesied, spoken of son of perdition. He chose to go after money. He chose to love the riches of the world. Rather, and I'm talking about anybody who goes after the riches of the world, you choose that. It's not something that just takes you over without your control. I'm talking to Christians. Lost people have no control at all over anything the Holy Spirit they do not have. But saved people, these instructions are to saved people so that we don't fall into this temptation and get trapped by it. And many foolish and hurtful lusts, notice their lusts, they look A lust is something you go after because the picture is looking good, but the, actually what happens when you fall into it is that you're hurt because they're foolish and hurtful lusts. And that word hurtful means harmful. And they end up being drowned in destruction and perdition, ruin and Perdition, And that word again, perdition, I I told you, it means utter ruin. Let me tell you something, child of God. If you go after money, let me tell you something, preacher. If you stop preaching the gospel for the sake of money, you are falling into a great temptation. Well, the church is just not growing with the gospel. And you know what? I hate to have to say this, but a lot of times... That what I just said, that very thought of that is back here. It's so subtle and so deceptive. A great example would be a man coming into the church and every, every Sunday morning he gives a $1,000 every Sunday. And then all of a sudden after a couple of months goes by, that same man, he begins to try to tell the preacher how things really ought to be and some things we ought to start doing, some things we ought to stop doing. And he thinks he has the right to do that because of that money he's given. So, we fall prey to that. We fall prey to that, not knowing what's taking place there, but, but, because it's a temptation. And with temptation, there's always a picture of deception painted up of something other than what it really is. We need to remember that. So... We're going to say this as we we needed to talk about it. there's a lot that could be said in verse 9 because perdition utter ruin utter ruin and I know the once saved always saved listen but if you can be justified by faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary what are you if you no longer are trusting in that work of Christ and what he did at Calvary and the warnings are there in the New Testament concerning That and being cut off and having our names blotted out of the book of life. And I know that that message is so damnable and so deceptive and subtle that it does much harm in the body of Christ. It removes, what it really does is removes the fear of the Lord. But verse 10, and this is where uh, he's leading up to, he says, because the love of money, not money... But the love of money is the root of all evil. Was she wanting to get in there? Okay. The love of money is the root of all evil. The love of the riches of this world. The love, love of money. And let me say this about the love of money. Most of the time when we hear that, word, that phrase, the love of money... We instantly and only think of rich people. That's not the case. Rich people have a love of money. Let me, let me rephrase that. Rich people can have, can have a love of money. A lot of people got money. And they ain't got a love of money. The Lord's blessed them, pouring out on them their businesses. And they, they, they're a blessing and they're big givers to the church, the work of God the giving to the preaching of the gospel. So we need to make sure we say this correct. But a lot of rich people, some of those, a lot of those, have a love for money and a love for getting more of it. And they're content with that. But on the other end of the spectrum, there are many poor people that have a love of money that they don't even have. They want it. Almost every single person I've ever witnessed in a convenience store buying lottery tickets are the very people that look like they shouldn't be wasting a penny on any of that foolishness. Because there is a love of money. If I could only hit the lotto, if I could only, and they're spending money, and I, I Almost every, if not every person I've ever seen in a store buying lottery tickets are people who have an appearance like they're on their last leg. They have a pitiful look about them. But yet they're buying cigarettes and they're buying lottery tickets. No wisdom there. There's a love of money there among the poor and the rich. I don't have the scripture here with me but in the book of Proverbs there is a scripture that says don't let me be poor because I might steal and don't let me be rich because I might think I don't need you and blaspheme your name. So there is a balance there and that balance is being content with godliness. Being content with being in Christ, trusting in Him and His righteousness and, and bringing forth through our faith in what He did, the fruits of Christ. That's the very riches of God's grace and mercy. And I know I don't say everything just right, so bear with me as we're learning the message, learning the truth, and, 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 and we just need to learn. And, we, and it's something we have to learn. You don't hear it one time and just say, okay, that's it for me. No, you have to learn, and learning is a pressing in to trust Christ. It's something that is a daily choice. And, and the Lord was really uh, ministering to me early this morning about Romans chapter 6 and us reckoning ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. That's something that I get to do as a child of God by faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary that I didn't get to do as a lost person. But notice, it it is something I have to do. I didn't do anything to get saved, and I can't do anything really to have victory except continue to trust in what I trusted in that saved me. When you were born again, you reckoned it to be true that Jesus died for your sins. And if you're going to live in that victory, if you're going to live in this place of contentment with your godliness to see the holiness in, 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 in your life, through your life, we're going to have to daily reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto the sin nature that tries to get us trapped in these worldly lusts. And I want you to be content with who you are in Christ. I want you to be learning the truth of God's Word. Not just going to church, not just being part of a Bible study, but to be learning the truth of God's Word for that is what Jesus said the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. That means the Word of God in the context of the person and the work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. For that is the only avenue of the context of the Bible, which is righteousness. I pray you've been blessed today by this teaching. I pray that you would pray for us and sow into the ministry at Thee, crosswaychurch.com, or you can give texting to 903-231-5950 and just type the word give in there. You can see everything we teach and preach and that we believe on the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. Share these teachings with your friends, coworkers, neighbors. And uh, we just look forward to being back with you next Friday morning right here, 9 a.m. Mondays and Thursdays. I'm teaching the Book of Romans at 8.30 a.m. Central from my office online through this same avenue. So God bless you. We love you. And until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. I'll see you then.